0: Welcome to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz and this show is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. I would like to thank Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. St. Croix, the best rods on earth and Diowa. They've got your bass covered. My first guest today is gonna be Dan Johnston. Dan and I are gonna be talking fall fishing patterns for crappie and bass. Get ready for that. Then I'll get to talk to Charlie Evans. He is coach of the USA Bass Team. They're doing the Pan American Tournament in Hot Springs, Arkansas, September 8th and 9th. And then, this man needs no introduction. Even if you're not in the sport fishing world, you know these three initials, KVD. Kevin Van Dam is going to come on and talk about his recent announced retirement from tournament fishing, but he's still gonna be in the industry. We'll listen to Kevin talk about that, but first, this segment of the We Fish ASA podcast is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. I would like to welcome back Dan Johnston. How you doing, Dan?
1: Doing great, Dave. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, no problem. Boy, uh, summer is waning. We're heading into fall. And today's uh, topic, we're going to talk about fall patterns that we'll be using coming up here for bass and crappie. And uh, it, I could argue that it's one of the favorite times of the year for me to fish. And I think you kind of like it, too.
1: Yeah, it's one of the toughest decisions to make because you want to pick the bow up and then you (laughs) want to keep catching them. So it's always a tough one, but all joking aside, it's uh, it's phenomenal. I mean, there's so much going on from obviously dropping water temperatures, shorter days, um, the thermoclines pretty much gone, uh, fish being schooled big time, and I would also add schooled in accordance to size. And then also, you know that that move to wintering areas and rivers—they uh, actually absolutely do it. Lakes, they obviously do. It's a little less complex on lakes, um, but a lot going on. It, 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 it's a rewarding time of year because there's a lot of uh, a lot of visual stimulation with gulls diving on or uh, minnows and bait because they're really high in the water column in the fall. Yeah. Um, And fish will stay a lot shallower than people realize. And like I said earlier, they they school up big time. So when you land on them, you can land on them. But when you don't, you can feel like everything's vacated. (laughs) It's it's fun. It's a great time of year.
0: It's like, where did they all go? And and one of the things I like to look for always in the fall, and the later it gets in the fall, the more this seems to hold true, is is sticking with some of the green weeds. I know there's exceptions to that uh, because the greens weeds are producing oxygen and normally the smaller invertebrates and small fish will hang around those and those are the refrigerator for the bigger fishes so they come and eat them but you have some patterns that you use in the fall actually that you you like that weeds if i remember right was it pad stems or something that you've done well on yeah i mean they'll stay in pads really really
1: really late i mean there's no doubt any type of cover and you know part of that could be When fish start to move towards their wintering areas, they have to get from where they are in the summer to where they want to end up. So sometimes anywhere in between can be the juice. And that's what's weird because we've talked about bottom content forever. You know, hard bottom, sand, rock, um, any type of substrate that they really prefer to reside as bait fish do too but there are times that I've seen in the fall where you don't necessarily have to have that because they're trying to get to point b and they have to go they have to get there and sometimes you'll find them hold up in totally the wrong bottom content and that's where I found them in those pad stems um it's just a muck bottom but they're there I think partially because they're trying to get somewhere else you know, and they're hold up. But when you find them in that pattern, they can be really, really big ones. And they are not necessarily deep. I'm talking about crappies and bass. So I think we really want to understand, regardless where we're fishing, try to do your research on where they're going to end up um, for the winter. And then also understand that they're bait-centric big time while they're on their way. The spawning deal's over, obviously. They're not thinking about that at all. They're not programmed that way. So they're on bait, and they're trying to get to an area. So then you look, you know, river, you're looking for current um, bait. uh, And and finding that, following that migratory path, and then lakes, you know, really starts to get important to find shallow cover close to deep water um, and things like that. But a lot of times, it can really, really help you once you get your head around that big picture.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you think that the move is more pronounced in the northern states because it cools off quicker and a low light condition comes on a little faster than down south where they might be staged a little longer in spots? Because I know you do some fishing, you know, we're, we're up in northern Illinois and Iowa and, and, and uh, we do some stuff north in Minnesota and Wisconsin. Is that a little different than like the Missouri and the southern fish?
1: I would have
0: to believe that it is. I don't get in the deep south in
1: the winter much, or in the late fall is what we're talking about much. Uh, But I have to believe that's true because there's no question. If you're not following um, the migration pattern of fish in the fall... You're less likely to land on those schools of really, really good ones. I mean, there's always seems to be resident fish that are just there on the spot, on the spot, and you know you can go catch one or run into some little ones here and there and grind out a pretty good day. But to land on those really quality schools, they're they're definitely connected to that to that move. Now that said, they don't all do it at the same time. Yeah, mm-hmm. the shadow of a doubt. I mean, there's still going to be people that catch them in the typical summer sloughs, pads. Frog water, no question about it. But then as you start to get in that late fall, they'll really start to wolf pack up on points and in sloughs and rivers and getting into situations where they're making that move because late late fall, they're really schooled up like big time, very close to winter areas, almost to the point where it's just ridiculous. You know, so there's there's a there's a time that elapses you know, obviously from the summer to the late fall and they, they start to make that move, but it's important that they stay on bait. You can cover a lot, a lot of water. They get really aggressive. Uh the feeding window throughout the day, I think, even increases. Um, they're just really trying to load up. And it's really a fun time of year because like like we mentioned earlier, there's a lot of visual tells. I mean, the shad uh particularly on shad, um They'll, they'll, they'll get really high in the water column. That's why you'll notice when boats go down the river in the fall, you'll see seagulls following those boats. Well, it's not because kids are throwing popcorn onto the boat. <laughs> it's because it's they'll shatter in the water column and they're getting mixed up and they get, they just, they're easy pickings and that's a great tell to understand that that's that's what's starting to go on it's kind of sets you in that fall mode that's when you pick that spinner bait up again that bladed jig um start covering a lot of water but you can still catch them on a lot of things but when you land on them there's usually a lot of them
0: yeah and not not necessarily grabbing that quarter ounce or three eighths ounce but half three quarters big baits in the fall because the the bait that they're chasing and eating are bigger
1: well, there's no question about that, and there are certain lakes where not to say that those. And this is it, that's. It, I'm glad you brought that up because yes, that's true. But there's oftentimes big bait fish in lakes. Period. You know, they can be a couple years old, but they'll go really shallow. I mean, you'll you'll find the shad in the reservoirs in the late fall way 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 shallower than you think you do and what i tell you the biggest tell in the midwest is the pelicans Mm. you'll start to see thousands of them and then you'll see them way in the backs of coves if you've ever watched them corral a bunch of shad back in there it's pretty fascinating to watch but what it tells me is they're there for a reason and they know a lot more about it than we do and where do you think the bass are where do you think the crappies are i mean it's that's what I mean by these visual tells. It's not just seagulls. Um, it's pelicans. It's the big blue herons standing right on the bank way in the back of a creek. It's things like that that really start to keep your eye on that. You'll start seeing more and more of that.
0: Yeah. And, 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 you know, you mentioned that, and I've seen the pelicans in the spring on when way, when they're going North and it's actually was bluegills on a flat up, Close, the water was warming, and it's almost like they're doing a water aerobics dance. They actually circle them and then start gulping at them. And I have had the pleasure of seeing that a couple times. If you see that happening, you know, get fairly close to them, get your camera out, take a look, because it's quite entertaining, isn't it?
1: it's one of the most fascinating things you'll ever see. The only thing I can relate is if you see a whole big pack of dolphins corralling shad on a beach or something there, you know, that we talk about the master plan all the time. And I don't think any of us in 10 lifetimes, will get our heads around how that actually happens, but it is, it's truly awesome to see. But the first thing I'll do, if I see a cove like that and I see that going on, I'm going to go find another one, another cove, mm-hmm. or something that sets up similarly because they're in there because the bait are accessible and vulnerable. And usually that means they're high in the water column, they're easy to push back, they're easy to trap. So you can go to other coves and put your forward facing down or side imaging or however you want to find them and you can find bait set up very similarly, there just aren't pelicans around them and you can catch the fire out of them. When they're in that, when they're in that mode, you know, focus on your points, going back into a creek, any type of channel swing, any we we talk about shad highways all the time. And as these shad make their move into the back of these creeks, they'll follow. Some of them stay out in the middle and just go back there, but a lot of times the real high percentage spots, any turn in the channel or any any or anywhere they can get in, their trapped or corralled. Those bass know that. And the cool thing about the fall is they're usually big fish and there's a lot of them and they're very aggressive they're there for one reason which makes them really accessible
0: and don't be afraid to throw topwaters we both like to do that as the water goes down i don't think there's a temperature that you have to stop throwing it like in the spring, waiting for it to warm we both like to throw that and do you have any favorites on the topwaters Oh, I throw
1: the big buzz bait, the big whopper plopper, the big spook, uh, big saltwater super spooks. I mean, big stuff. Yeah. No question. It's, and they're they're very aggressive. They're very shallow. And um, it cover a lot of water. And usually when you find one, there's a lot of them. And on the crappie side, now, one, one thing I've mentioned before is for whatever reason, and I don't understand this, but in late, late fall, crappies love heavy 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 wood lay down wood springtime they like it they love buck brush and they're really dialed on bottom content because they're thinking about bedding and all that we've talked about in previous episodes mm. but in the fall if you find that giant tree laying in the water that's heavily limbed um, and i don't care how shallow it is there are a lot of times the some of the biggest crappies in the lake are on that thing way later than you think they will be and the biggest mistake you can make is go dip it straight down and put your jig to the bottom. I'm talking about swimming that thing two inches under the surface, and they'll come up and grab it. It's really cool, and it's a it's a great fall pattern. Usually using bright colors and big, big, big crappie baits. You know, big stuff, um, full size plastics. Like things are like three inches long.
0: Um, for all the reasons we've mentioned absolutely and always great information from dan johnston and i appreciate you coming on every week dan and look forward to talking to you next week hey dave thanks so much as always oh no problem that was dan johnston and this segment is brought to you by st the best rods on earth i am dave kranz and the we fish asa podcast will be right back after these messages
2: Probably one of the number one questions I get, you know, what line do I use? That's a big debate. For every tour out there, everybody's debating which line. I choose the simple side. My choice of line is Sunline, and my favorite lines to use is Sunline. How all can you use it? Anywhere you want to. Anywhere there's water and bass, it's good. Walleye, catfish, trout, speckled trout, lady. sharks. There we go. Uh, I don't say this unless I think it's true, but honestly, it's the best in the market.
3: Daiwa MagForce Z. Similar design to our SV system. Reels with MagForce Z excel when it comes to casting control while fishing bigger, heavier baits. Our standard reels have a fixed rotor on the spool, meaning the braking pressure is consistent across the entirety of the cast. MagForce Z incorporates a spool that has a dynamic rotor that can adjust out and back from the spool. This gives you maximum control and casting precision.
0: Daiwa For over 75 years here at St. Croix, we believe every angler deserves the best fishing experience possible in being equipped and prepared for the moment opportunity strikes. You can only provide control if you are in control. Our legacy is being written every day with decisions today determining our successes tomorrow. We value contributions and successes of all individuals, protecting and preserving the things that matter most, taking care of people like family, the persistent pursuit of perfection. St. Croix. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. I always get to say that everybody I have on this segment has a passion for the outdoors. My next guest certainly does. He's been on several times before. He is Charlie Evans. He is coach of Team USA Bass. Welcome back to the program, Charlie. Thanks, Dave. I'm glad to be joining you every time. This is my favorite program in the world. Oh, I appreciate that. And you know what? We love having you on because what you're talking about is something that could eventually and probably will eventually be bass fishing in the Olympics. This is a worldwide drive to get this done. And uh, tell us a little bit about the event that's coming up, who you have on it and where it's at. There's a lot of good things happening, aren't there?
2: Absolutely. This is the Pan American Championship. And again, one of the things that the Olympic Committee, International Olympic Committee, told us we need to do to get recognized as an official sport is to have more participation from the Americas. We've got got lots of the rest of the way around the world, but the Americas are kind of dragging a little bit. So the Pan American Championship is an effort to get more countries from the Americas involved in international fishing. Uh, And and we have picked the greatest spot in the world for, for this event. Hot Springs, Arkansas, Steve Harrison. You're talking about a guy that's been instrumental to the success fair industry and the health of our industry. Steve Harrison probably has done as much for fishing uh, that people don't know about uh, as anybody out there. He's, he's hosted a ton of tournaments, and, is, and uh, Steve loves fishing. He knows fishing. And we're going to Lake Hamilton September the 8th and 9th for the Pan-American Championship, and we've got a 16-person team. Eight pairs of anglers, and uh, I don't think it's been released yet. So you'll get to release them first. I want to introduce them to you right now, and some very unique things about them. Uh, of course, Scott and Martin's our captain. He has been an all along captain of our team. He's going fishing with his dad, Roland, and so so they have fished together before in Pan Am. Matter of fact, the last one we had up in Canada, uh, him and his dad got individual medal up there. The team got silver medal. This time we're going again for the gold medal, though. But Scott and and Roland make a great team out there. And then right behind them, and this is very neat, we've got father and son, Roland and Scott. And now we have Scott's daughter, Hillary. Hillary Barton is also uh, on the team. Mm -hmm. Uh, She fishes for the University of Alabama. She'll be fishing with one of her teammates from down here, University of Alabama, uh, Cameron Lake. And so three generations fishing in this one event, which which is pretty deep, never had before. And then we've got our next team I'll introduce is uh, we've got kind of like our ace in the hole, the guy that knows Lake Hamilton better than anybody in the world, Stephen Browning, mm-hmm. uh, Stephen Coach, MLF angler. And he's fishing with a, a young lady that qualified through the ICAS Cup, uh, Hannah Wesley. And so they'll make a great team out there. And uh, again, that, that's two females we got so far. Then the next team, I know that you've seen them up on the internet, so I'm talking about how the one kind of helped the other one get started and the other one now is just fishing like a wild man but i'm talking about arkansas's own larry nixon the general yeah it's being fishing with with joyce i thought what's right Cervantes. are you better than that than i am with joyce's last name
0: Cervantes? So no i think you got it pretty yeah. good yes <laughs>
2: pretty close but anyway they're a team out there and again uh, larry there's been very instrumental and in, in, in joyce's success and getting started in, in the bad fishing and joyce is just Eating is alive over at BASS, yep. and so him and Larry be fishing together as a team. Our next team is David Dudley. He's been on every single team we've had. He's been fishing with uh, the uh, the lady that, that qualified with Hannah at the ICAST Cup, Michelle Gelaba. So David and Michelle will be a great team out there on Hamilton. And then our next team is, is a medal-winning team. Every time they've been around, John Cox, who fishes both bass and MLS. He, he's the, they call him the Iron Man. He fits the ever tournament going. Mm-hmm. He fishing with his normal partner, Keith Carson, who this year uh, qualified through the, the MLF invitation to the official LMF Pro Tour next year. And so both of them will be on the Pro Tour next year. John and Keith Carson, will be, they are always going to be dangerous out there. Our next team is our gold medal winner, from uh, uh, individual winner from from uh, Lake Murray. Last year, Fred Rumbanis uh fred is would be fishing with brock mosley that's going to be a powerful team yeah and then our next team is the guy that fished the mlf invitational so he won two anglers of the year there the first time he qualified to move up to the mfl pro tour uh he wasn't ready to go yet uh, family obligations and work obligations but now he says he's going to be fishing on the pro tour next year ron nelson and he's fishing with tyler rivet uh, ron, ron is just i don't know how to say about it he's I think he's one of those guys like John Cox that has gills. He is a he, Ron is a be his first time fishing for us, Tyler's first time fishing for us. And we're we're excited about that team. So we got eight teams out there that'll be fishing for two days and again we'll be fishing for the United States. We're trying to win the gold medal for the US and uh and we'll settle for nothing less than that. And then we have a gold, silver and bronze pairs medals that all these guys will be shooting for and uh, this, this is a great team, a fun team. Uh, everything from great experience to young people to, to college uh, students to the three anglers to, uh, like I said, a, a three-generation family event. So we we're very proud of this team. And uh, it's happening September 8th and 9th. We we're weighing in at the Andrew Halsey Think Fishery Hatchery out there on the count like, of everybody to come out and watch the weigh-ins. Uh, I'm not sure about the, the weigh-master, but he's done a couple of them. He, he'll get by. He'll do it at any rate. Again, <laughs> this is a Pan Am. And we got the United States, of course, be there. Canada be there, which is always dangerous. Yep. Canada beat us the last time up there, but I won 100, 100 pound, uh, in, uh, in Canada. So we won't, we won't get back at them. Mexico, they're always dangerous. Puerto Rico will be showing up there this year. And, and the, the, I think the captain of the Puerto Rico team is the past, uh, head of fish and wildlife. United States, he's just recently retired, and now he's going out there and going fishing. Nice. nice. We'll have Colombia and El Salvador represented. And we've got a couple teams that are not in from the Pan Am, but they want to come and kind of be, I don't know what you call it, observers for the tournament. They're bringing teams over because they know that uh, Hot Springs is going to uh, host their next World Bass Championship, So South Africa and the Philippines. Coming over, they won't be fishing for medals in this event. They're coming over to see how they compete against these other things. they alone learn this body of water. They're going to be ready when we get, when we get there for the world champ, best world championships.
0: Yeah, they're coming over and doing a little practice. We all need to do that. And I think that's a good idea. And it also probably creates more awareness worldwide for this event like you've been trying to do. And it's it's such a neat thing to see that. And to get these women that qualified at ICAST, at the ICAST Cup, that ought to encourage more women to go and fish that because it is a stepping stone to get to this.
2: Absolutely, this is where we get our lady anglers from the MLF ICAST Cup, and uh, and 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 we get a lot of them to compete every year, and and uh, and then Michelle and 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 Hannah have actually, uh, this is their second qualification through that, and so they're they've proven that they are really top notch anglers, and and both of them have a tremendous, tremendous future ahead of them. And again, females are so important in our high school fishing, which is kind of like a round framework for for of all of our industry and our and uh, and our sport, uh, over 25% of those high school anglers are, are females. And so it is starting to grow and grow and that's very important. And it's really important to the International Olympic Committee. That was one of the things they wanted to know. Are uh, we well we well represented with, with females. And so that's that's very important for sport, very important for industry. And when we, and we will, when we get you recognized at Olympic sport, it will be a great boost to our sport and our industry.
0: Yeah, I think so, and I and I I love the uh, the stepping stone that uh, Major League Fishing has from high school to collegiate to BFLs, to you know to Toyotas. There's different levels. You can go all the way up. You can start in high school and end up uh, a professional fisherman, like retiring uh, Kevin Van Dam. You know he did, and he's fished everything and phenomenal. These kids want to be like these guys, but. I would think these other countries might be a little bit afraid of that lineup that you you said. There's a I, lot I, of great I, anglers if there.
2: If I were If I were one of those other countries, I would be terrified. Yeah. <laughs> so I looked at that lineup. These are people that a lot of these anglers from these other countries have watched on TV and watched some fishing tournaments. They know the quality of these anglers, and, and they know that this is our home ground. Uh, Stephen Browning is going to be, like I said, our ace in the hole. He knows it better than anybody else. He will lift our entire team up and... Uh, Uh, We we fully expect uh, to to, to represent the United States well, and and we hope people come out and and root us on so we can win the gold medal
0: there. Absolutely, and it's September 8th and 9th in Hot Springs, Arkansas, correct?
2: That's correct, and uh, Steve Ash is going to welcome us on uh, Wednesday the 6th um, uh, with an outdoor they call it Front Street out there in Hot Springs, Arkansas. He's going to have a band out there playing. Jimmy Houston's coming in to welcome all the anglers from all the countries. And uh, I'll be there with Sky and Marshall. Uh, lots of kids will come and get their pictures taken with the Paul Patrol characters. Uh, they'll get to see the, the basketball shop Paul Patrol Ranger, the most photographed boat in history, will be there on display. And so Hot Springs is going all out for this. This is kind of introduction to international fishing. And so when we come back in 26, the Bass World Championship, everybody will have a taste of what's getting ready
0: to happen in Hot Springs. Yeah, I always appreciate the update, Charlie, and I know them having you as a coach for the USA Bass team is a benefit to them. You've got a great team. You've got great people there. Uh, we'll uh, have you back on to tell us about, the, hopefully, how the USA won gold.
2: Well, I'll be glad to come back and tell you how we want to go because we are going to.
0: (laughs) I sure hope so. Thanks again, Charlie. Appreciate your time as always. All right, Dave. Thanks. No problem. That was Charlie Evans. I am Dave Kranz. And this segment of the We Fish ASA podcast was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. We will be right back. Calcutta Outdoors. From bluegill to bluefin, Calcutta Outdoors has the innovative outdoor recreational brands that consumers are looking for. We offer a wide range of trusted products, from fishing rods, combos, and tackle to coolers, drinkware, outdoor apparel, and marine accessories. Calcutta Outdoors. I'm
3: professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well that's simple, keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me.
0: Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it. Iowa, our SV system is made with one thing in mind, casting control. The design of the spool as well as how the spool interacts with the braking system gives maximum control and ease of use when it comes to situations people might generally struggle with, whether it's casting lightweight baits Skipping, pitching, casting into the wind, or even if you're just getting accustomed to a bait casting reel, SV is designed to help you excel. When set properly, SV reels virtually eliminate backlashes. Daiwa. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz, and this program is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. I am so happy to have my next guest on. He recently announced retirement, and even people who are not in the outdoor world know who this man is by just his initials, KVD. Welcome to the program again, Kevin Van Dam. How are you doing today?
3: Ben, I am. uh, I'm doing fantastic. It's uh, been a the year has flown by. You know, I mean, like you said, I announced that I was going to retire from tournament fishing at the beginning of the season and um man it's been a been a whirlwind season but uh i really good for it and, and really excited to move on to this this next chapter and i mean i'm really not retiring i'm just change, changing uh direction in in careers but uh it, it's been it's been such a amazing uh run for a long time and i've had, had a great time and looking forward to this next phase
0: absolutely and and you uh do you remember the first time you fished a tournament? Do you remember the excitement of that, or did you not even realize it when you did it that this was going to be your your dream fulfilled?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I it was uh, uh, it was amazing to me that you could uh, you know compete against other people, and there was actually you could you could win money. I mean, but I just loved that you know, competitive aspect of it and, you know, just trying to see how, you know, you stack up against the best. And that, that's why I got into it at in the beginning is, you know, when I first started fishing tournaments and moving up the ladder, I mean, I just looked so up to, you know, the Danny Browers and the Rick Clons and Larry Nixon and, and, you know, Tommy Martin and Guido Hipton and Roland Martin, you know, I, when I was a, a kid in school, I wrote a term paper off of Roland Martin's 101 Bass Catching Secrets book, you know? So, so I, I followed all these guys, watched all the television shows back then, you know, from In Fisherman to Bass Masters to again, Hank and Jimmy and uh, Roland and all, all, those, all those guys at the time. And I just, I just wanted to see how good they, they were, you know, in that competitive form. And that, that's why I got into the Bassmaster tournaments in the very beginning. And, um, you know, the, Very first one, I was a little bit humble, but I also knew that I felt like I could compete at that level, and um, you know, I kept kept kind of pushing forward, and you know, thirty three years later, um, it's it's been a it's been a blast.
0: Yeah, to do something like that for decades, and I to the young listeners out there, the high school, the collegiate kids, you got to hear the passion in Kevin's voice about what he's doing, and that's what you have to have to be successful, isn't it? Yeah, there's no doubt. You're not going to, if you don't give it
3: 110%, you're, you're not going to make it, because there, you have to be that dedicated, because the competition, everybody else is. I mean, in the sports changed a lot over the years, technology's changed a lot. Um, you know, just the modern era of information, you know, just having the internet and Google Earth and, um, you know, the, the, the level that we have in electronics and mapping and, and knowledge and just, I mean, you can watch a YouTube video on everything from how to Texas rig a worm to very advanced techniques and, and presentations and things now to learn. So so there's so much more information out there now, you know, than, than there was when I first started, which, which is a great thing. You know I mean? I think it's one of the reasons we've seen the boom in fishing and and people talk about, you know, I mean, old timers. I remember my grandpa talking about the good old days and this and that. Well, truly these are the good old days. I mean, due to, you know, modern conservation practices and, and really the anglers themselves, just the change in the mentality of how everybody, uh, uses and approaches, you know, fishing and catch and release and, uh, and again, just just the awareness that's out there, uh, it, it's, it's really made for the best fishing that we've ever had nationally. I mean,
0: it's especially, I mean, bass fishing for sure, it's the best it's ever been. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. <clears throat> Talk a little bit about Google Earth, because some of these kids that are using all the sonar, all the forward-facing, they're excellent at it. And some of the older fishermen, too, maybe have never gone to that. But I think that has been one of the best tools available to the outdoorsman, whether you hunt or fish.
3: Yeah, no, it, Google Earth <laughs> is uh, an amazing... Just to be able to get an overview of... Of these lakes and and systems and things like that, you can see where the streams feed in. You can you know you can see the terrain. You, you can um, in northern Clearwater fisheries. I mean, you can see everything. You yeah. can see the flats. You can see the grass clumps. You can see uh, all, all those. I mean, it's just very very helpful. Uh, anywhere you go, it's it's one of the first things that you that you, we uh, that we really take a look at. You know, what I mean. Uh, most of the pros carry an iPad in their boat or now with, you know, with your smartphone, it's, it's very similar, but to be able to have it on a larger screen is helpful. But, but even now um, you know, in our electronics, we have that, you know, that uh, satellite overlay mapping available for it. So not only like, you know, with Hummingbird I've, I've got my late master mapping, so I can see one foot depth uh, contour, but to, you you know to look at the Google images as well. And of course, there's I don't even just use Google, but uh, you know there's there's three or four different servers and sites out there, and just depending on when it was mapped, different times of the season, you can see different things. So I don't just use Google. I, I use a lot of the other ones too. Just trying to see um, you know what it looked like uh, in the spring or the winter or a different time. Or you might see it when it was a lake was drawn down. So it's just it's just a, a great tool, and not just for fishing. But I'm a you know I'm an avid outdoorsman. I love to hunt as well, and you know I use it uh, you know for that too. Whether it's turkey season or a mushroom hunting, or you know whitetails, or or trying to you know look at a duck marsh or anything like that. It's just it's a it's an unbelievable tool.
0: It is, and <clears throat> if they haven't been using it, they need to. You uh, have any? You've won so many. You've done so much in this industry. Any single most memorable win, or do you have a group of them? No, I, you know, I, I appreciate all of them. And the thing that
3: I've come to uh, learn and realize over time is, you know, you never know when it's going to be your last one, so it's, it's really important to appreciate them. And, you know, in the last handful of years, that that's something that I've, i really uh, – noticed and, and really taken to, to heart and i think you know the older you get the more you get you get a little more sentimental i think but you also uh you should be smarter and wiser right it, it comes with experience and that's that's what i really learned is to take time and you know and to appreciate those moments and that's something that was i knew it was going to be hard for me to do this year just with it being my last season but um you know, you, you wanna you know, you wanna enjoy it and I I did a lot of reflecting this year. I mean, each place that I'd go, you 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 know, we started at the Kissimmee chain in Florida and I'm like, Man, this is gonna be the last time that I compete on on this body of water, you know, and you wanna make the most of it. So I put I put a lot of extra pressure on myself. Um, you know, I really wanted to win in my last year, and and at the last event of the season at Saginaw Bay, in, in my home state, I you know almost completed the fairy tale ending. I was leading going into the final day, and um, you know, Mother Nature had other ideas. We we had a big big blow come in, and it really thrashed the area that I that I had been uh, that fishing for the week. And that's what happens when you fish the Great Lakes. And you know, I ended up second there, but it was still a, a great week and a great finish. And you know, I mean, my career is not defined by any one tournament or or, or winning or losing, but, you know, the, the overall body of work, I'm really proud of, uh, you know, what I've been able to accomplish in, in the way that I went about it. You know, I mean, that's the thing that young anglers, uh, I, I worry about now that, you know, they're just, it, it, a lot of them have come up differently. Um, a lot of them have, have had, you know, through the high school or the college program and had you know a lot of people show them the way or take them to do to, to things and and forward facing sonar is is really dominated the landscape so much that they forget about using their basic instincts and and understanding the seasonal patterns and knowing what to do if you get a sudden flood or you know uh, fast changing conditions and that's what a true professional angler has to be able to adapt to is is whatever mother nature throws at you on, on a given day. And, you know, you're not always going to win just like the last tournament at Saginaw. I mean, when it blows like that, there, and that shallow, there's just nothing you can do. It just, uh, it just took, took the whole, you know, that playing field um, that I was playing in anyways, and, and, and made it really unfishable, you know? So it just, is part, it's part of the game. You, You know, you're supposed to be able to prepare for anything and everything, but there's just, some days you just can't make it happen, but all in all, you, you, you know, one of the things that had helped me from the very beginning was being very versatile, and it didn't matter if I went from Texas or California or the Potomac River or New York or anywhere in between, um, you know, you've got to be able to adapt to just about any situation and feel comfortable there, you know, so you got to, you got to be able to Deep crank and flip and throw top water and punch mats and jig a spoon in fifty foot of water and mm. drop shot and you know you just you have to be super versatile and uh, adapt to about anything and and I think it is easier with technology today to do that but there's no substitute for experience and time on the water you know I mean it's it's hard for somebody new to it to understand what that tidal drop at the Potomac River does every six hours, you know, how yeah. and how it affects the fish until you experience it, so that, that, that's part of it, but, uh, you know, in this next phase of my career, I'm basically going to be spending my time uh, trying to teach people and help people be more successful on the water, you know, through, through all the different shows and, uh, you know, videos and things that I'll, that I'll be creating, I've been doing it really my whole career anyways, but just off the tournament platform. But, uh, you know, we'll,
0: we'll do that full time going forward. Boy. And and I want to hear a little bit of more about that, but I got to take a quick break for our sponsors. I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast. We'll be right back with more AVD, Kevin Van Dam.
3: You know, when I look at the tournaments I've won, probably, Four or five of the boats that I've won have been on a tube, but i had completely gotten away from flipping a
0: tube because no many, nobody made one soft enough. Big Bite has come with this new tour series of baits. The thing that's probably the most unique is when you look at that bait, the salt just rolls out of it. And to me, that is the reason a fish bites a tube and hangs onto it. This isn't one of those, let's go out and catch some smallmouth tube. This is a let's get it done tube.
3: St. Croix, crafting the best rods on earth takes a team effort. It takes a lot of hands to produce a St. Croix fishing rod, 32 to be exact. Every rod we manufacture is carefully crafted, assembled and tested by passionate professionals who want to ensure you have the best fishing experience possible. St. Croix, the best
0: rods on earth. Iowa, our SV system is made with one thing in mind, casting control. The design of the spool, as well as how the spool interacts with the braking system, gives maximum control and ease of use when it comes to situations people might generally struggle with. Whether it's casting lightweight baits, skipping, pitching, casting into the wind, or even if you're just getting accustomed to a baitcasting reel, SV is designed to help you excel. When set properly, SV reels virtually eliminate backlashes. Daiwa. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast here with Kevin Van Dam. I am Dave Kranz. Boy, good, good uh, information we got for you before we went to a, uh, a break for commercials. But you, you were talking about being adaptive to using every technique. How far has it come since you started 33 years ago at the professional level that people are using more spinning rods than ever? If you're not using a spinning rod nowadays, you're not in the game, are you? Yeah, it's really important. Um, if you'd have told me at the beginning of my
3: career that that I'd have, have five hummingbird graphs with Mega three hundred and sixty and Mega Live and, and two Raptors on the back for you know for shallow water anchors, um, I'd have said no way. You know, I mean, so yeah, technology has definitely improved and uh, uh, helped our efficiency immensely. But it's it's across the board, and you see that. You know, I mean, and ICAST was just a little over a month ago. And, you know, all the innovation, all the the, the products there, I mean, from rods and reels and lines and uh, just bait innovation. And that's one of the things that I've always loved uh, as being part of this industry is working with, you know, the companies that, that support me. And, I mean, I feel like the best brands out there to develop a lot of those, you know, those lures. and. The boats and you know, I mean, to be a part of that transformation over the years and then something that I will continue to do, you know, going forward. I mean, Strike King is a great, you know, uh, partner of mine and you know, I have a lot of signature products across a lot of platforms out there, but, but especially in lures. So, to, you know, develop, you know, baits and things like that uh, is it, really, it's rewarding. It's a lot of fun. And, and you know, I want to help or I want to build the stuff that's going to make me more successful on the water. And no doubt with this technology that we have, you see a lot of lures and things that are geared towards this forward-facing sonar now. You know, I mean, we're, we're building specialized swim bait heads and, uh, you know, jerk baits and, and you know, crank baits and things like that for, you know, forward-facing sonar. So it, it's definitely, uh, it's a lot of fun. And it's great to see the success that people are having uh, because of it. You know I mean? The weekend angler is almost the same as a tournament angler. You know, you got a very limited amount of time. You, you know, the rest of your weekend, uh, you got to spend mowing the lawn or doing honeydews or being with the family, whatever it is. So that six or eight hours that you get, you don't want to spend it out there just hauling water. You want to be catching fish. And a tournament angler is the same way, you know, we're, we're fighting the clock to try to be as efficient as possible. And, uh, you know, we want to, we want to be successful out there. So, uh, that, that mentality really transfers over and, you know, the thought processes are very similar because, you know, bottom line is we all want to have a great time. Or if you take somebody, if you take your daughter or your sons or your dad or your your grandma or whatever, you know, you want to make sure they're, getting into fishing and, and having action so that's where putting all these tools to work really uh, really pays off
0: yeah and, and you talked about the uh fact that you've kind of been doing what you're going to do going forward the whole time you're educating people you're teaching them how to be successful on the water teaching them how to enjoy the outdoors you know see what's going on around you and Potomac River, you mentioned that about, you know, I know whenever I'm there, you get to see the ospreys come down or eagles and grabbing fish off the top or something like that. It's just, these places are so cool to go to and, and do it. But you can share that with people through, like you said, videos, and you're teaching them about new baits that are being developed. And there's got to be an excitement for you to, now you're you're changing gears. Instead of competing, you're actually teaching people how to compete. Yeah, so you know, people, a lot of people are like, man, I know how competitive you are. How are you going to, you know, h-
2: how are you going to live? How are you going to survive <laughs> through this? And, and, you know, even in in what I'm going to
3: be doing, when you're, when you're trying to shoot a TV show, you're still against Mother Nature, you're still mm-hmm. against the clock. Um, you know, I'm competing against myself to create the best possible, you know, 30-minute episode or whatever it is that I'm focused on at that time, the best, new product video, you know, for that particular, uh, product or brand or whatever it is at the time. So I, I take that the, the, along the same lines and, uh, it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to having a more flexible schedule. You know, on tour, you're basically committed to that 20 to 25 weeks a year that you have no flexibility in the schedule. You can't miss a day. There's no sick days. There's no off days. You know, if it's 32 degrees and blowing 25 mile an hour and raining, you you got to go. And um, in in my next life, you know, on those days, hopefully, I don't have to be out there. And it, unfortunately, when you're scheduling film shoots and things like that, you're still going to run into that. Mother nature always wins, right? Yeah. And yep, you know you you're gonna have to you're gonna have to deal with that. But I you can kind of plan. You know, I want to I want to go to Santee Cooper in mid-March out a full moon when those fish are just prowling those cypress trees and, and try to hit some of the best places at the best times. And, you know, you can plan for that a little bit, but it, it's never an exact science. But uh, that's the kind of things that I've been, I'm really looking forward to. So I'm still going to be traveling around a lot, still going to be um, filming, you know, at a lot of really cool places, uh, And but it allows me to expand my horizons a little bit to showcase some of these other things like you say and you know we we talked about it before it's like hey we were fishermen early risers and things like that one of the things that I love and appreciate is man I I love those sunrises I love those sunsets and things like that and I I put the work in you know in tournament days and things like that practice days I'm a dark to dark kind of guy and um when i'm doing these other things you know that's the same kind of dedication and effort that that you have to put into it you know i mean i learned a long time ago the harder i work the luckier i get and you know it's just going to be a a, a little bit different in in what i'm doing but we're going to be creating a a lot of different content because today it's not the same as it was 25 years ago where there was one channel and you know there's television only now there's you know digital platforms and youtube and streaming and and social media and and television and and it all matters so you know i'm going to be focused on creating content for all different types of platforms and in all different areas and uh really uh you know having having fun with it and being able to expand a little bit in some of these other areas do some do some more outdoor related content like say hunting and uh uh, and and cooking and things like that. I'm a, we're we're foodies in our family. I my, one of my sons is a chef, and we love to do a lot of different things like that. So not only that, but teach people the best way to um, you know to broil a walleye, or um, you know how to fillet uh, a northern pike, or um, you know the best best way to smoke a, a salmon or a trout or things like that too. You know, I mean, because it, it's all you know, it all.
0: Uh, it matters to the, to the people that are passionate about the outdoors. Absolutely. I have one last question for you. Are we going to see a Kevin Van Dam's name on the roster for, say, something? There's a lot of tournaments you can get in and jump into, like a Toyota series. And it's the right time of year for a thousand islands. Are we going to see your name on that, signed up for that at some point in the future? Or something like that in Florida or Texas or somewhere?
3: Uh, I, I really have no plans on on doing that. I mean, that's, th- th- those. That's you know, if I was to cherry pick one here or there, yeah, it, it's possible. But I really, um, you know, I might fish some charity events and things like that. You yeah. know, we do quite a bit through our foundation for, you know, and, and conservation is at the forefront of things that I want to Raise awareness for going Excellent. forward. Yep. Um, you know, I've worked hard to build a name and a brand and a platform, and I have I have the ability to bring some of these issues um, to the forefront and and you know be able to showcase some in it, certain initiatives and things like that. I mean, we're, they're not building more lakes. Yep. Uh, it's important that we take care of the resource, um, you know, habitat wise. And, and we've done through our foundation, we've done habitat projects, stocking projects, cleanup projects. I do a lot of youth fishing initiatives and provide gear to kids camps and uh you know different different programs and things like that to put rods and reels and uh tackle and life jackets and you know make things accessible like that so that's really important to me going forward um and if there's you know some events and things around that i definitely want to be a part of that and but uh, for the most part you know i really want to focus on on education and and awareness and conservation and in this next phase, it's, it's been, the sport's been really good to me. I'm very passionate about it. It's the, all I ever know. It's, it's my life. It's what I do. And, um, you know, I want to continue to do that to make sure that the next generation says the same thing that, Hey, these are the good old days, you know, that, that is, that's critical to me. And I've been fortunate to be around a lot of people like Johnny Morris, who really puts his, uh, his efforts and his resources uh, towards that, you know, he puts his money where his mouth is at, and and, and making a difference for on a, on a lot of large-scale projects, you know. So that is something that means a lot to me, and that I'm I'm going to put a lot of time and effort into. I mean, just the just the things that I have on the horizon in the next year along that front.
0: I, I could spend all my time on i really could so, I, yeah i definitely it's, see that. it's critical yeah i definitely see that you are a man with a mission in uh, changing gears and i and kevin uh, truly appreciate your time and uh wish you nothing but success but i know you will be because you are successful at whatever you put your mind to and yeah. thanks again for being on the we fish asa podcast i'm sure it won't be the last time
3: you're exactly right, and that's that's one of the reasons. I mean, look, the ASA, the American Sport Fishing Association, they're on the forefront of that. I mean, they work real close with all the industry companies and uh, and conservation groups to make sure that we ensure the future of, of great fishing everywhere, not just freshwater, not just bass, saltwater. I mean, the North American... Uh, model for conservation is the greatest on the planet because it's basically um, (laughs) built and run through the anglers and the users that that are out there and protecting the resource themselves and you know, ASA is on the forefront of that so uh, something I'm always proud to be a part of
0: Absolutely, thank you so much for your time That was Kevin Van Dam I am Dave Kranz This week's We Fish ASA podcast was made better because of a KVD thank you to my guests for another great episode of the We Fish ASA podcast. Dan Johnson was first, we talk fall patterns. Carly Evans, coach of the USA Bass team, and America tournament, Hot Springs, Arkansas, September 8th and 9th, 8th and 9th, good luck guys, and girls, and thank you again, Kevin Van Dam, the best in the world. You do a great job. I'd also like to thank the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, Alcada, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors, St. Croix Rod, the best rods on earth, and Diowa. They've got your bass covered. I am looking forward to bringing you the We Fish ASA podcast next week. Until then, please take someone fishing to help grow our sport.